Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, good Monday to you and welcome to another edition of Believe in Saints. He is Terrence Copper. I am David Grubb. And uh, doing it again. Three weeks in a row. The New Orleans Saints victorious on the road against a team that they should, you know, on paper should not have beaten, but they go to Philly, a place that they have not done well in in the past. And they go out and they beat the number one team in the NFC and backup or no backup. And you go out and you double up Philly in Philly, 20 to 10. It was an impressive night uh, afternoon for the saints. Yes, it was. And, man, I just wish that we would have started this maybe two weeks ago. If we would have started this run two weeks ago, man, we would have been in the playoffs. I feel like this team is starting to play the way we thought they could play at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think they're coming into their own right now, and they're confident. I think they're confident in how they're playing. I think the biggest thing to me is defensively, and we've talked about this, I think, the whole season, is defensively generally they've been consistent. Generally, um, outside of the big problem, the first half of the season of giving up the chunk plays um, when they were just giving up big plays every game, four, five, six big plays. They el- they have eliminated that for the most part in the second half of the season. And they've held teams in that 20 point area, 20, 13 to 20. It seems like every week the defense is right in that area. Mm-hmm. So consistency for the defense, though, yesterday, I think the biggest thing yesterday is that we saw some big plays out of the defense, particularly with the Marshall and Lattimore interception, which we talk about the first interception by corner all season. This team just didn't make big plays defensively. The problem for this team has been offense all season, generating points. What we saw yesterday early was the same thing again that we've talked about. And this is the part that frustrates, I think, people like you and me. Because even when you look at these things, you know the talent. The things that we talked about all season, utilizing Taysom Hill early, giving him opportunities to make plays, which he did with his legs and his arm. He was accurate in the opportunities they gave him to throw. He was effective when they gave him chances to run. They made plays downfield on occasion. Outside of Andy, because we can get into Andy in a minute, but the things that you incorporated to help Andy, Shahid making big plays down the field again. All those things, giving him multiple opportunities where they were only giving him one at the beginning of the season when he first came around. 
those things that we had seen, like you said, that you wish you would have seen maybe a couple of weeks earlier, that's still, like, I think that's the part that hurts is when you're watching those games, you see it, it's just a little more Taysom. It's just, a, you know, extend one or two more drives, pick up one more big play. It felt, it feels like those little adjustments, it took too long for the offensive side of the staff to come around to. Yeah, and I, I just don't think they realize how vital of a player Taysom Hill is when it comes to that offense. Uh, I think they understand it, but I don't think they understand it to the extent of he has to get touches. Uh, Alvin has to get touches. And honestly, I love the way – one thing I love about uh, about the Saints with this game right here, we came out and we hit them in the mouth. We hit the Eagles in the mouth early. Second half, the Eagles came out and they hit us in the mouth. But we made the proper adjustments, you know, to keep the ball rolling, to, to stay ahead. You know, so I love the way we made the adjustments after they made adjustments after halftime because you understand they're going to make adjustments after halftime. But the way that we continue to adjust after their adjustment – and we're just taking the things that they're giving us when it comes to the passing, just taking what they're giving us, you know, uh, running some Dalton, running some uh, Alvin, uh, getting the passes, some, some easy passes that they're giving you that, that is open. You know, so I love the way that we wasn't trying to do too much. The play call that I love, that I love, it didn't work, but I loved it. It was the flea flicker with mm-hmm. uh, Alvin Kamara with Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. Yeah, well, so, Alvin took the snap and Taysom was at running, yeah, at running back. So I love the fact that you got Alvin and Taysom in and you run a flea flicker with them. I love the thought process. on It didn't work, but if you're going to run a flea flicker, those are the two guys you're going to run away because all you do is run with those guys, really. You know, so, uh, but I love that play call. Like I said, you got to take your hat off to the coaches. Again, it wasn't perfect, but a win is a win, and we all know wins are hard to come by. And for this team, you know, they 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 – I am not, you know, a lot of people, I had this conversation with folks, and I want to get your thoughts on this, because I think momentum is something that we use as a word, but really, I believe it, and you tell me this as a, as a player, I think there are natural ebbs and flows of every season, you know, just like in any job. When you go to work on a day-to-day basis, there are days when you're at your best, and there are days when you're not. And I think over the course of a game, you know, people say, well, it comes down to this one play. It's never one play. The plays in the first quarter set up the plays in the fourth quarter. That last minute of the of the game, when you're talking about who's performing in that last minute, is set up because of the other 50 plays that, that went on for the previous, you know, 50 minutes in this game, you know, whatever. So, you know, I, I think psychologically, yes, individuals, you can have a time when you're more confident in what you're doing because you're seeing the results. And I think when a team sees that what they're doing as a group collectively starts producing results, you can have – good continual progress that doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to get wins what the saints are getting right now is they're not necessarily a better team i think than they were a month ago they're not markedly different as a team personnel wise they ain't different they're not executing in a particularly different way but what they've done is eliminate mistakes the big mistake that had been killing them you know there haven't been the pick sixes there haven't been the scoop and returns So what looks like momentum is really just guys getting back to doing what they're supposed to do. They're not making the errors that professionals are are not supposed to make. And so when you do your job as a professional, what looks like momentum is really just the Saints are doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. And you're hitting it right on the head. 
it, that was, I think, that was our Achilles heel the entire, shucks, the entire season leading up to probably a few weeks ago. You know, it was the little things, penalties, turnovers, like you're saying, it's all those things that was keeping us from being the team that we know we should have been this year. Uh, those were the things that was holding us back. Like I said, and you hit it on the head perfectly, the roster hasn't changed. The coaching staff hasn't changed. The quarterbacks hasn't changed. Nothing changed. It's just, like you said, they're executing their plays and they're not they're not turning it over. They're not beating themselves. Uh, so, I mean, you're, you're right exactly what you said. Um, yeah, they're, they're actually coming together now. They're eliminating those mistakes. I think particularly I think that pays off for the mentality of the defense more than anybody because you saw yesterday the pass rush get to Gardner Minshew and we have to congratulate Cam Jordan on becoming the Saints all-time sack leader, passing Ricky Jackson. Now I got to say this, Ricky is my all-time favorite Saint. I've had the, the the good fortune of meeting Ricky, talking to Ricky. I think Ricky is the greatest Saints player who ever lived. Um and just in my estimation, I, you know, and this is the that's a personal opinion. I, I'm not going to argue with yeah. people who love Drew Brees or Deuce or Archie, whoever. Ricky's my guy. Mm-hmm. But if anybody in the Saints organization, if any defensive player since Ricky was going to be the one to break Ricky's record, I think most Saints fans would agree you'd want it to be Cam Jordan because nobody has embodied being a New Orleans Saint. And he's done it his entire career. Nobody's loved the city, the franchise, and it's just showed up every day to do his job better than Cam Jordan has over his career with the Saints. Nobody's done it better. You could argue there have been more talented guys, more heralded guys, but as far as just year-to-year consistency, being the leader that you need and the the guy who produces at an all-pro level, Cam Jordan has been a phenomenal player for the Saints, and it's not something new for me to say that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, you got to take your hat off to him. I mean, like I said, not just the stuff he does on the field, his leadership and his his ability to play, but the things he's done out in the community. You know, so like he's definitely deserving of this. Uh, he's put the work in. Uh, and like I said, you got to take his hat off. You got to take your hat off to him because of the things that he's done his entire career uh, when it comes to being a saint and the things he's done out in the community in New Orleans. You know, so you definitely take your hat off to him and congratulations to him. Definitely. Well, do you have any uh, good cam stories from your time uh, with the Saints. I don't. I didn't play with Cam. He you he left. He got it right after you left, right? Got it after I left. Yeah, that's right. You got it right after yep. you left. Mm-hmm. That's right. But yeah, you, so you only saw to... against him, and you didn't have to deal with him because he's on the D line. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, just I, you know, obviously next stop for Cam after he leaves the Saints is the Hall of Fame. That dude's going to. Yeah. Definitely. First ballot, hands down. You got to belongs there. And just just a guy, again, consistency at the highest level. You know, it reminds me a lot of like when you talk about the all time guys um, like the Chris Dolmans, um, you know, those defensive ends, Kevin Green, you know, guys who mm-hmm. did it for a long, long time. And, yep. and I thought one of the things that was really interesting about Cam was he said, y'all can talk about these sacks, too, but don't nobody run to my side either. And for a pass rusher to take pride in that and being a run stopper for a guy with 115 plus sacks in his career to also make sure that he mentions that I can stop this run game too. I thought, Mm -hmm. again, that talks about that's team. 
Because most guys just want to talk about on the ends, they want to talk about, I racked up these sacks. No, mm-hmm. I do the dirty work too. I do the dirty yep. work too. And that that's what you want. And that's been a football player. You know, if you if you're a DN or if you're on a D line, it's not just your job to sack the quarterback. You know, that is your job again to stop the run uh different times. And when it's times that kind of eat up some blocks for your linebackers, that's part of it too. You know, so to me, I think he's just being a football player, not pigeonholing himself to a pass rusher that that's all I do is just rush the quarterback. You know, so he's he's treating himself and he looks as himself as a football player. You know, I can I can brush the passer and I can stop the run. That is their job on that D line. Man, just so much credit for the defense. They did an outstanding job on the field, getting off on third downs. They held Philly, I think, the 25% conversions on third downs. Um, they did a great job in handling uh, the run game for Philly, which had been, you know, we've seen Philly run for 200-plus yards against the Saints before. And they hold Philly to 67 rushing yards. That's phenomenal. You get back, and then, of course, you get back Marshawn Lattimore, and at the most important part of the game, when you're hanging on to this lead and you got the Eagles pinned back, what people – and I, I I don't know if everybody notices, that play was set up earlier because Gardner Minshew had made a similar throw to that earlier in the game. And on mm-hmm. that second time he did it, Marshawn jumped it because he knew it was coming and was mm-hmm. able to get that, that pick six. You know, and that's what, that's what happens when you get your playmakers back. Uh, we've been missing him all year, you know, so the fact that we got him back and for him to make a play the way he did, he's a Pro Bowl corner, you know, so you expect things like that. But those are things who's missing, who was missing that type of play, those type of plays. Uh, so it was just great to see him back on the field and to have him back out. That I'm quite sure in that secondary, it boosted their confidence to have another playmaker out there as well. Let's go to the offensive side, and we talked about this a little bit, but let's get really deep into it. 30 carries combined between Kamara and Hill, and they produced over 111 yards, uh, 110 yards, excuse me, together. Um, is it, no, 120, excuse me. So, I mean, those two guys go off with those carries. Then you get Taysom going two for two passing. Um, you know, Andy took a few sacks that probably shouldn't have taken, but – uh, still, conversions on third down, almost 50% for the Saints. Offensively, that's big. And we talked about, again, we continue to see late in the season, Rashid Shaheed with big plays and Jawan Johnson, who outside of one drop, that one drop that I know he wishes he had back because it was an easy catch. But mm-hmm. Jawan Johnson is emerging as a legitimate, like, I mean, you know, one of those hybrid blocking, receiving tight ends that everybody, that every quarterback wants to have as their best friend. You know, when you have guys like Alvin and, and Hill, and then you have three receivers out there, like I said, they're kind of emerging and becoming into their own uh, with Shahid, with Olave, and with Johnson as well. You know, with those three guys, I think we talked about it before in another episode, our receiver room, our, our receivers are in good hands. I think we have a great group of receivers coming up. Uh, and we got some veteran receivers as well. So those three guys has really showed up for us this year. I think offensively we did a great job. With, like you said, when it comes to sustaining drives, uh, get, picking up those first downs. Uh, like I said, we gave, up a, we gave up some sacks. A couple of those sacks I feel like was coverage sacks, not necessarily on the O-line. But we, get, we gave up too many sacks, honestly, just to be honest with you. We gave up too many sacks. But – the offense still figured it out. And and the way they're using Taysom Hill and Alvin together, 
I think that is the road that we take. I mean, we only got one more game left, but I feel like that was the blueprint of how to use that offense. And and at the end of the day, you know, you have a lot of you have some new guys on the team, uh, whether it's defense, whether it's offense. And I feel like as a as a unit, we just kind of figured out how to come together as a team and and to build as a team. Because uh, at the end of the day, each year is a new year. Even though we go into a year thinking, oh, we got this guy, we got that guy, oh, we about to dominate. But you still have to be able to gel together. You still have to be able to play as a team. All those little things that, that you have to do to win still has to be in play. You know, so uh, I think now we're starting to figure it out as a team. I think the offensive coordinator is figuring out what, what, what we do well as a team. I think defense coordinator has kind of already figured it out. But I just feel like as a team, we're starting to gel together and the coaching staff is starting to gel together. I think the coaching staff is starting to understand what makes them go and what they're good at. And I think that as we, you know, week 17, I think the question for the Saints is really about, you know, obviously you want to close the season with a win um, and you get to you can get to 500 in the division, but you don't you know, you never want to finish below 500 in the division. So you could close that out. And be at three and three, which would feel, you know, you earned, you, you know, sweep Atlanta, get a split with Carolina, and you, you lost two to Tampa. Okay, um, but I think it's it's like you said. I think what we've learned this has been much more about learning the last month than about really competing for the playoffs. The play these were playoff games, and you had a chance, but the odds were so remote. So what did you learn about your players? Because this is the off season, and we have to start talking about it now. Because the off season really begins now. The season is you know you're eliminated from the playoffs. The off season is going to be about deciding what the direction of this franchise is. Because there's a weird position. You have some really talented young players who started to emerge this season, and guys like and guys who are in their the, the early parts. Not you know not the rookies, but like a guy like a Pete Werner who in year three now is becoming a viable Pro Bowl contending type linebacker. So you've got these young guys coming up. You also have the Cam Jordans on the back end of their career, the Tyron Matthews on the back ends of their career. And you're going to have to make a decision in this offseason as the you have good pieces in this defense, but do they all fit? Does Demario Davis fit your long-term plan now, even though he's still a great player? And I think on the offensive end, you're going to ask those same questions when we talk about this line. Because the line still has to be rebuilt in some ways. Who's staying? Is it Andrews Pete going to be around? Is, you know, how, what are you going to do with these extensions for some of these guys who are coming up? You, like you said, you've got a lot of options in the receiver room. The Alvin Kamara question, I think, is a big question because do you think like your Carolina and say, we have this great back, but we don't, we're not necessarily have the pieces to complement all of his talent right now? These are hard questions the Saints are going to have to ask in the offseason. And I think, you know, there's been some playing around with what some of the schemes are to try to figure out who are these guys that we really want to take deeper looks at and who can be part of our long-term plan. Because like you said, every year is different. This year will not be next year. I don't look at the schedule. You know, people already talk about what the schedule is. Those teams on the schedule aren't made yet. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody talks about what your third place, your fourth place schedule is. But we're seeing it right now. They had 12 teams last year that finished 4-1 and one in their last five games. 12 teams. Out of those 12 last year, 10 of them made the playoffs. This year, half of those teams are going to miss the playoffs. So it's like, you know, closing doesn't necessarily mean you have a great year, year next year. 
Right. So, you know, I want to see what the direction is and what Mickey Loomis and if Dylan Dennis Allen is back and if Pete Carmichael is back, what is your direction? Because now you are no longer continuing anything. The Sean Payton stuff is done. There's no continuation. Mm-hmm. Where's the new direction for the New Orleans Saints? Right. And what makes that decision even harder is the fact that they're finishing so strong. So the questions you may had early in the season because we were playing so bad, whether it be about the coaching staff, whether it be about just the team, period. Now you kind of second guessing. You know, it's human nature to start second guessing because, okay, this team is becoming a team that we thought we was going to be. Do we break this team up or do we give it another year because they're finishing so strong? It's almost like they're starting to gel together. It's almost like the when it came to the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Miami Dolphins fell off late this year, but last year the Miami Dolphins started out like, what, 1-7, and 1-8, and eight, and they reeled off like eight games in a row. And then when the season picked up this year, they continued to do well until Tua got hurt and they started going downhill. But it's almost shaping up like this. It's almost like this year is going to help us for next year because we're trying, we're figuring out who we are. We're figuring our coaching staff is figuring out certain things. Our players are figuring out certain things. So it's almost to the point to where like, man, so do we hold on to certain people or do we go ahead and let them go? Or so like it's, it's a tough, there's a lot of tough decisions to be made. And by finishing as strong as we're finishing right now, it's making those decisions even tougher compared to if we wasn't finishing that strong. And, you know, we just been playing like crap all year. Some of those decisions would be a lot easier. But the fact that we're finishing the way we are, those decisions are going to be tough of who to keep, who not to keep, and different things like that. It's going to be tough. Because you have to step back again because they're not, you know, you don't want to judge a team by its highest or its lowest. You want to try to find that balance and see what were we really most of the time. And that's that's what these executives are supposed to do. That's what when you when, and you as a you know work coming out of college as a player and now being somebody who works with young people, you're showing them they're looking at your film and they're looking for what you do repeatedly, consistently mm-hmm. throughout the year. It's not your one good game, it's not the game where you put up 200 yards receiving. They want to see what you do in the game where you got three catches for 40 yards. Did you block every play? Did you do all those things? So when the evaluation comes for this team, yeah, I think it, it gets really hard because the complementary pieces is what the decisions are. Like you talk about Miami, they said they looked at their team after they won those eight straight games and said, we need more explosion. Let's go get Tyreek Hill. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, you go get your receiver for, for Kansas City. You say we need explosive. So you added that. You didn't just run it back because you had eight wins. You saw what mm-hmm. you needed to add. So the big question for the Saints, we know quarterback is still sitting there as a question. What do you do? And so that part is huge, too, because your philosophy offensively is going to hinge around whoever you can put under center. If Andy ends up being the starter next year because you don't pan out and draft a good rookie or get a free agent, that dramatically changes the structure of who you put around him in order to get some success next season because you're running again, a very conservative offensive game plan. If you have to start next year with Andy Dalton as your quarterback. And I think that's the first decision we have to make. Who's going to be the quarterback? What are we going to, I can say who's going to be the quarterback, but what are we going to do at the quarterback position? I think that's one of the first decisions we have to make. Uh, Like you said, do we go into free agency? Uh, Do we trade, do we trade somebody? Do we trade Jameis? you know, to try to pick somebody up. Uh, so it's those questions, that question right there may be the hardest question to answer 
Uh, and then you got to look at if we do go in the draft, who's out there that we're going to draft? Do we have anybody that we feel like if we draft now is able to come in and start playing right away? Or do we need do you need to sit behind somebody for for a few games until you, how until long you, is that? Are you talking about a one year process, a two year process? Because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, quarterbacks develop at their own rates. And then we have some older quarterbacks coming out in this draft, you know, like young man at Tennessee and, and uh, Stetson Bennett at Georgia. They're older quarterbacks. They may be able to get you on the field quicker, but their peak may come faster and they're not out of the long term. So, it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. I don't envy this decision. I'm glad I'm not in the front office. Exactly. But I'm quite sure, like I said, I really trust the front office. I think that whatever decision they make would be the right one. Uh, I think – Right now, where we at as a team, with our confidence, I think the coaching staff, uh, they're, comp- they're starting to pick up confidence in their self because at the end of the day, coaches look at themselves in the mirror as well. Like, man, do I got it? Like, am I doing what I need to be doing? So, But the fact they're seeing success in what they're doing, that's giving them confidence as well. So, like I said, we'll see what this season does after the season's over with um, when it comes to the roster and the coaching staff. But that doesn't mean that this next game is Carolina doesn't mean anything. means everything. It, it absolutely it means, does. Yeah. It means everything. This still is a division opponent. Uh, you still and, – and, and you still playing a game of football. Anytime you step on that field, you want to win. You're not just out there just to be out there. You know, it's still a lot of work that goes into preparing for a team uh, during the week. It's a lot of work. And – Nobody goes out into a game expecting to lose or don't care if they lose or not. It's just too hard. It's too hard to prepare to go out there with a I don't care attitude if we win or lose. It's just too hard. Uh, and plus, I don't think you'll be in the NFL if you had that type of attitude. If you didn't have that pride about yourself, about winning games, you wouldn't be in the NFL. You know, so this game definitely means a lot. And you ain't out there putting your body at risk at half speed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I – Anytime that I know that I can step on the field of my career could end because I get hit, I can't be playing out of half ass. I got, I got. Right. <laughs> you can't be out there just trying to jake it. Right. You can't do that. <laughs> but you know, the the other thing that I really you know um, I liked about this season though is just that a I think you know a lot of people worried about the Chris Olave trade, and it looked like at one point when the Saints were doing really poorly that Billy was going to get a high pick. I think ultimately it's proved to be worth it that at the end of the day, it's going to be a middle of the first round pick. So to get Olave and Penning, who has looked okay, who's, you know, now that he's getting on the field, he's looking okay. Um, to get those two in the first round, I don't think you were going to do better than that this no. year. You're not going to do better than a potential offensive rookie of the year and a left tackle who may play for you for the next decade. I don't think you can do better than that. So I think the first round pick ends up being worth it. And then, like you said, first round quarterbacks in general don't pan out. So I think it actually helps the Saints and it helps the whoever they do draft that quarterback because that pressure will not be on that person as a first-round quarterback to come to New Orleans and everybody immediately say, starting from day one, they got to be the next Drew Brees. They better come in here and put up 30. I don't want the rookie quarterback to come in with that kind of pressure because, you know, that's just not going to, to, to work. But I think mm-hmm. you give it – now the situation is I can look around. If I'm a rookie and you bring in a rookie quarterback – there's enough talent around that player to create to craft something offensively that even if it's not explosive in year one, she, like we talked about Shahid, Alave, 
If you can keep Juwan Johnson, who's going to be a free agent and somebody's going to want him. I think somebody's going to offer him some money. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you can keep this receiving core, if Michael Thomas can come back healthy, if you can get – if Jarvis Landry decides to come back for another year or you pick up some more people, this can still be a really explosive offense and you have a solid defense. They're not far. But in the NFL, it's not far from going the other direction too. So it's just – True. <laughs> True. And, and honestly – since we put it that way, I think that is even more reason to keep Andy Dalton. I think you keep him. It depends on what his price is. Uh, it depends on what his price is, but I think you keep Andy Dalton just to have that veteran leadership, not saying you keep him to be the, the say-all, be-all starter. Right. But he does offense. He does know the offense. He does know how to be a professional because he's been in the league for a while. He's been in different places, uh, and he's had success in this league. And I think if you bring in a rookie quarterback, he would be a great person to learn behind. Not saying that Andy Dalton is going to be our future quarterback, right. but bring a rookie in, he's a great person to learn from. Yeah, you're going to learn. I mean, you know, at least you're talking about reading defenses, mm-hmm. taking care of the football, getting in and out of the huddle, understanding systems, all those things, the verbiage of moving on. And like you said, the Saints can't have nine different starting quarterbacks over three seasons. It's just, it do, it's not, it doesn't lead to, to good things. So if you are going to have to deal with some continuity at the position, yeah, I don't, nobody, Andy Dalton is not going to be the villain in any of this, but he can't be the hero. And that's, right. I, I think that's the hard part is like, there's nothing that man can do. He, at best, he can give you as a B, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and yesterday he gave you a B, kind of performance it wasn't great he didn't you know he threw a pick didn't throw any touchdowns didn't have any really great big plays but that's what you're gonna get at this stage of his career you gotta be happy with that b mm-hmm. that's the truth i agree with it i agree <laughs> that uh got one more week to go carolina coming to town i think it'll be a good send-off um for the team i think the crowd is is back into it the fans are excited again. Um, yeah, they trip. There's a concern, obviously, with the future, but I think it's going to be a good ending to a regular season that has been extremely difficult. A year that's been really difficult for this franchise, but a, a good way to go out in front of the home crowd. And we'll find out exactly what it looks like later in the week. But I, I think this is going to be a good wrap to the season. I think the Saints will get to eight and nine. I do. I I believe that as well. And I also think I think we win this game. I think it'd be a low-scoring game. I think we win this game 17-20, Saints. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of running. You know that. You yep. know Carolina <laughs> going to put it on the ground 40, 50 times. And the Saints have shown now they're willing to run it 35 to 40 times. So, yeah. Keep it – but that's we. That's what we have been asking for all season long, was just minim, shorten the game, run mm-hmm. the ball, eliminate mistakes. And I, they finally figured that out. Yep. Yep. Got to give them their credit. But, man, before we go, though, I got to get your, your thoughts on the college football playoff. I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Was that the wildest semifinal week, you know, weekend that, that we've seen since the playoff? Because I thought it was just unbelievable. Michigan-TCU was a, a game that I couldn't have predicted it ha- happening that way. You know, Michigan clearly was the better team, but t- they, they didn't they made the mistakes. And TCU able to win. And then Ohio State-Georgia, man, that that's clutch. Georgia was clutch. Mm-hmm. I felt like going into it, I had I already picked TCU. I picked I picked TCU over Michigan. Uh, I think Georgia will ultimately win the whole thing again. 
But I picked TCU over Michigan. I felt like TCU was just something about them that they were just finding ways to make it happen. And that's what they've been doing all year. So this game was no different. Uh, I don't think TCU could beat Ohio State or Georgia, but I felt like Michigan could. But I just felt like TCU could beat Michigan. So it was just kind of weird, my thought process on who I felt like to win. But I, I, I felt like TCU could beat Michigan, uh, but I don't think TCU can beat Georgia. I don't think the only only team that could beat Georgia, I felt like, was Michigan. Matchups are everything. Yep. Matchups are everything. And TCU was able to do what nobody else had been able to do against Michigan. They shut down the run game. Mm-hmm. And I, yep. I, I, especially in the red zone. True. Those first three drives in the red zone. TCU's defense made what I thought were the most important three defensive drives in all of college football this season. Because you had mm-hmm. Michigan inside your red zone. Three consecutive possessions to open the game. You turned the ball over. You gave up big plays. And three times they got stops, held Michigan to six points and a turnover. Like that, you can't do any better than that in a big game. You mm-hmm. can't do no better mm-hmm. than that. And honestly, I felt like the first time Michigan got down in the red zone, I felt like they should kick the field goal. The fact they didn't kick the field goal and they got stopped, momentum change right then and there. You know, so I just felt like like Satishu came out and they played the way they the way they've been playing, honestly. The way they've been playing. Uh, I think they've proved a lot of people wrong. So I think it's gonna be a great game coming up. But I I, I don't think TCU is good enough to beat Georgia. I think Georgia is just uh, I think they're just a little bit better. That's a lot of men on that Georgia team. <laughs> That's a lot of men. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they were in CJ Stroud's back pocket a lot. And I mean, like they were there. They were that Georgia, that defense is nasty. <laughs> TC, man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um oh. glad to start the new year with you, brother, as always. And um, we'll do this again real soon this week. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, until the next time, Saints fans, he's Terrence Copper. I'm David Grubb, and this has been Believe in Saints, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Who that? Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.